Hello, and welcome to Series 1 of The Power of Impact, Stories of a Better Future. My name is David Simmons, and in each episode, I shall be talking to someone about the charity they lead and how they manage to prove the effectiveness of that charity. So now, let's listen to my conversation with Joy Wright, who leads the groundbreaking charity Emerge Advocacy. I could tell you all about it, but let's leave that to Joy herself. Right, okay, Joy. Hello. Um, so, first of all, tell us all about yourself. Joy Wright, who are you? I'm <laughs> um, Joy, um, I'm mother of three. Ray. I've got um I've got a sixteen year old, a thirteen year old and an eleven year old now, which is wow. a bit crazy. Um my Dave and I live in Guildford. Um so yeah, um the founder and chief executive of Emerge Advocacy, which is charity that supports young people when they are in um hospital in A and E because of self harm or um suicide attempt or emotional crisis. And um been doing that since 2016 and before that um I was uh, I've been a, a youth and community worker really for all my working life um apart from a bit of a three-year stint I worked in the in an NHS early intervention and psychosis team so that was um definitely different from church-based youth work but um really although not always that different <laughs> yes interesting um, mm, the overlaps must be there um yeah so yeah. it's significant work that you do. You actually intervene at the point of crisis in young people's lives. Is it predominantly girls? It's about 80% girls, okay. yeah. So, yeah. So you're in there at hospital at the point where they have attempted to take their life. Is that usually what happens? Yeah, the the main reason that, that people present to hospital is an overdose of over-the-counter medication, really, um, their parents' medication, uh, those kinds of things, wow. um, yeah. followed by kind of self-harm that requires medical attention and just emotional crisis. So maybe they feel that they can't keep themselves safe, but they haven't actually acted on, on that. So, mm. yeah. So it's a cry for help potentially i know that's a cliche but it, it is in this instance quite apt i mean i think when i first met you um, emerge was just emerging it was literally a, a fledgling thing we you start you had a, a presence in one hospital at the time didn't you mm-hmm. and that was yeah. early days so that was that would have been about 2016 i think 2017 something Probably. like that yeah so how has it grown um, so, well, as you say, we we started off in one hospital, my local hospital, in 2016 as a as a pilot project, which came out of my experience as a church youth worker supporting one person, um, just informally as her youth worker, just being with her when she was in A and E, um, and on the children's ward on a number of occasions, and then, um, kind of reflecting on that experience, I thought, well, gosh, you know, like there must be other young people that go through something like this and don't have somebody that can come alongside and help them just as a youth worker, like mm. not not mum or dad, not somebody clinical, not in a position of authority, not making an assessment of them, but literally just somebody that's there going, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, yeah. 
how how are you doing how's it going when the nurse comes in or when the doctor comes in what do you you know what's the most important thing to say to them and like just helping to get them through the experience um so yeah so yeah we so we started in my local hospital and then within a year or so we had other people from other hospitals kind of saying well we need this in our in our ed um and I think one of the really cool things about Emerge is that it's it's about um, working with local churches to do something that really makes a difference to our NHS and to young people and their families when they're really struggling. And so, what we have, what we did really was when we had interest from other hospitals, we'd we think, well, I, you know, I think, well, are there, do we, do we have connections with other Christians, with church networks, with community networks, where we could potentially build a team and do something? Mm. And um, so where the answer to that was yes, <laughs> then we'd go, you know, we'd say to that hospital, yeah, okay, let's, let's explore, um, let's explore doing something. And so over the last seven years, we've set up projects in all of the Surrey hospitals and... All the Surrey um, hospitals? All the Surrey hospitals. Um, <laughs> How many is that? Five. Um, wow. And we've got three in Kent with another four on the way and we've got one in Berkshire. Great. Wow. So still, so, yeah. still early days in terms of geographical reach, so it's local to more or less, more or less local to yourself. Southeast. Yeah, southeast. Yeah. Wow. So if anyone's listening... To this from the northeast, the northwest, yeah. <laughs> Wales, <cool>. Northern <laughs> Ireland, Scotland. Yeah. Just listen in, because uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's scope for this. I think regionally, mm. definitely. So, oh gosh, I mean, how when you first started, how were you planning to sort of measure what you were doing? How were you planning to see um, how successful it was? Well, I didn't know. Mm. Which is I didn't know. Yeah. Just wanted to see if just wanted to see if it could work in mm-hmm. terms of can we get volunteers into hospital and support young people and really get positive feedback. You know, just that that positive feedback was probably the key outcome measure we were looking for at that point. Mm. Is it well received by young people? Is it well received by staff, by by the doctors and nurses and the mental health teams? That was really the main thing that we were that we were looking for. Um, things have gotten a little bit more sophisticated over time. <laughs> yeah. But that is still the really still, yeah. the main thing. Is it helping people? You know, is it well received? But the question is, how do you actually quantify that? Yeah. Um, which is where we've gotten a little bit got a bit more in-depth yeah so initially was it just word of mouth uh, phoning up a doctor and saying how's it going um that casual that sort of informal or was it slightly more did you have Um, feedback forms or we have feedback from young people so after they had been supported by emerge they would get a text message that came from like emerge centrally but they didn't know what a small organization we were Yes, (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> We're all so, good at smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah. Um, but it, the, the, the point of the message was, even if 
I had supported them and I was sending the message. They didn't know it was me sending it. It would just say, um, hi, this is Emerge. You recently met one of our team in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to know about your experience. Um, please could you let us know how many stars out of five you would give the support you received and why. Right. So even though it was just me, they didn't know it was mm-hmm. me. So hopefully they then felt that they could be honest. Be objective, um, yeah. Be objective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which they were. And But actually we had overwhelmingly positive kind of feedback from young people, you know, all fours or fives out of five. Um, and some really lovely messages where they'd say this is why... Um, um, and then the way that we that we would get feedback from the medical guys actually was a lot by cake. So cake. <laughs> that sounds great. Explain. Um, <laughs> so um, we would take the opportunity at key points like our first anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, I put cake in the staff room oh. and balloon and a balloon. Um, and, uh, and a kind of thing printed out on A4 paper that said, it's Emerge's first birthday. Celebrate with us, have some cake. Um, if you'd like to leave us a, a birthday message, um, please do on this. And I left out, I left a notebook. And so we got then some quotes, basically, from the medical team saying the difference that they had seen it make and we so we put balloons and cake in all of the key areas of the hospital in the staff rooms uh so children's ward ed a couple of other places um you know and and so then i took photos of the 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 written quotes that had been used and obviously without the staff member's name but just said you know ward ward sister um Haskell Ward or sorry or whatever that type of thing um and was then you know and and then that meant when I was applying for funding and that type of thing I could quote I could you know anonymously quote people and say this is what this this is what the staff say about our service and this is what young people say about our service so that was the beginning yeah so cake I mean that's so that's brilliant I mean because everyone loves cake and nothing better than you come off a hard shift and you say, oh, wow, cake. Um, it's free cake. Yeah. But the other thing I would say is we didn't just do, because, of course, you would get the positive feedback there because mm-hmm. it's like our birthday, say nice things to us. But we did also have um, meetings with kind of key people where we could troubleshoot. And so, mm. we, you know, obviously we wanted to hear about when things could be better yeah because that's really important to grow like we can't address problems if we don't know that we've got them so you know we wanted all feedback and so we had other opportunities where we'd have like once a quarter we'd have a meeting with the kind of key people in the hospital and just be like how's it going Uh, like what's going well what issues are there how can we make this better Mm. because we wanted to hear those things as well that's so important yeah 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 Wow, I mean, it's um, it's a great beginning. It's a great way to to kick things off. So, how how did you mature as an organisation in that sort of whole feedback I think thing? As we started to grow, and especially um, in Kent, our expansion into Kent came because of um, local government contract rather than oh, okay. because of 
grants and fundraising in that way. Mm -hmm. So with that, they obviously needed more in terms of outcome measures. Yep. And can I just say, I didn't understand for a while the difference between outputs and outcomes. Oh, right. Yeah, I yeah. I thought they were the same thing. And so when they were saying about outcomes, I was like, yeah, we'll see this many young people. We'll deliver this many sessions. And then they are going, no, those are outputs. We want to know about your outcomes. And I'm like, it's the classic thing yeah 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 i get it um outcomes is what you do outcomes is the difference it makes it's right and i didn't realize that societal indeed i mean and and unexpected outcomes huge it's huge really potentially outcomes could could be 10 years hence you know Mm. so so how did you how did you navigate that so we, I realised that we couldn't just say, oh, we support 100 young people. We have to say, well, did it help them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we need to know. Sure. Um, and one of the main things that we started to do was we used a tool called the Emotional Thermometer. Okay. So, um, it's just a little scale and it's set out in a, in a, with a nice picture in the, with like a thermometer where um, a 10 on the Emotional Thermometer is like, high levels of distress, everything feels really out of control, I'm not okay at all. Um, And a zero is things are cool. And so we sort of colour-coded it like that, where 10 is like red and pink, and then zero is blue. Um, And so when we sit down with a young person, and when we first start supporting them in the hospital, you know, you're like, hi, I'm Joy, I'm from Emerge, blah, blah. This is the stuff I need to tell you. After we've done all of that, then we go, so show them the thermometer picture and be like, where are you at? You know, where do you feel you're at? And, you know, the average score that people give at that point is eight out of 10 in terms of their levels of distress. And then we do whatever we're going to do with them. We have a chat, we play Uno, we we drink tea, we... (laughs) Good old Uno. Whatever, you know, talk about where they're, whatever it is. And then when we're wrapping up at the end, you know, we do our ending stuff and we go show them it again and we go, where are you at now? And the average score for that is a four. Mm. And then we go, and, and it's really cool for the young person because you can demonstrate to them, oh, look how far you've come already just in the space of an hour's conversation. Mm. That's really awesome. But then also it means when we talk to the hospital and when we talk to our funders, we can go look at this distance travel in an hour with Emerge. Mm, um, mm. So that um, when we can sort of start to show that that's across the board. I mean, sometimes you have someone go from like a nine to a one and you're like, wow, let's write a case study about that. Well, that's um, it. Yeah, that's the next step I'll, um, we'll talk about. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and sometimes somebody goes from a, you know, a nine to an eight and you're still yeah. kind of like, that's good. It is, it's progress in the same in the right direction. Mm, interesting. So over a longer period of time, given that you've been going seven years, what sort of things have you seen happen? I keep wanting to use the word emerge, <laughs> obviously. Uh, what sort of things have you seen happen? What sort of, I mean, loosely speaking, outcomes have you, have you witnessed, would you say? Um, I mean, we've got, we've got stories of individuals. Mm-hmm. Where, where yeah. they've really, you know, things have really changed. Um, there was a quote recently from a young person who um, 
so she she'd been in crisis a lot she she was sort of like 18 19 kind of age and she'd been in the system quite a bit and been in crisis a lot and um she wanted to be a pediatric nurse but she didn't think she was going to be able to do that because she just wasn't sort of stable enough to get onto the training that she would need and that type of thing um as it as it happens the person from emerge that supported her used to be a pediatric nurse so they immediately wow. formed a connection and um michelle from emerge was able to kind of really talk through what was needed and give her insight into it and encourage her actually that this was maybe an achievable goal after all um and this is over the course of like the follow-up support that we do so after we've met somebody in hospital we do follow-up support usually for around three months 12 sessions but it's quite flexible it can go on for longer if needed so over the course of this time they were talking this through um and this young person um was encouraged to apply for a job as a support worker on the children's ward in the hospital mm -hmm. as a kind of first step yep. of in her journey towards becoming a nurse and she got the job so it was really amazing and we right. so when we sort of finished follow-up with her we we do we do another set of questions about mm. like tell us what was life like when you first met emerge mm. what happened since then what is life like now how and then you know like how would you rate your well-being overall at the beginning how would you rate it now so that we've got some numerical things there mm -hmm. as well and then just is there anything else you'd like to say and in answering that question she said i used to be the girl sitting on the bed feeling hopeless and now i'm the person helping the people in the beds wow wow yeah it was really cool. Gosh, that's, a, that's I mean, there, there we go. You see that when it comes to outcomes, outputs, all that kind of stuff, nothing really beats a good story. And I think that's that's really what this this podcast, if you like, is about. It's about collecting those stories. It's about celebrating the things that are actually happening for individuals. Because, yeah, we can talk about societal change and abstract concepts like that. But really, it, societal change happens at the ground level. It happens with individual... It's person by person, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I think, um, I think funders do appreciate that. They really do appreciate the one-off one, one stories that yeah. happen. Um, any more stories? Do you have any more? Because you, you released a film fairly recently about the work you do, which I think is on the Cinnamon Network website. Quick plug for Cinnamon Network. Yes. Um, which I love because it, I mean, I watched it and I was literally moved to tears listening to that mm. girl talk. Um, so there are stories out there. What what other things can you tell me? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that the young lady who's on that, that film that you mentioned is one that I supported over the course of a good, I don't know, couple of years because she was in and out of hospital a lot mm. and when I, I first met her on the children's ward when she was 17 and she was just about to turn 18 and the, tra the transition between children's services and adult services oh. in the mental health world is a difficult one. Really? Um, yeah. And so anyway, I had this first meeting with her and it's, an, you know, it, normally we, we offer follow-up support to people, but there's some examples where we wouldn't if they're situation was a bit too complicated or there was already lots of other professionals involved and we'd be like no let's just leave that 
she was a very borderline case where I was kind of like, I don't know whether I should pursue this and offer her follow-up or not. And I remember the moment I was sitting at home deciding whether to text her or not to, to offer follow-up. And I almost didn't. And then there was just mm. something in me that went, do it. Wow. You should do it. So I did. Um, and so I, I say that part of the story just to say, listen to those little prompts when it's like, just just do that. Just, mm. Yeah. Or mm. whatever it is, just listen and, and, and go with go with your gut on things. Because, yeah, so, so we started meeting up and... Um, she, I don't even. I'm kind of like I'll try and be quick. I don't. Know, I don't know where to start. But she, she and she doesn't mind sharing this because she's kind of gone quite. She's she's public with mm. a lot of her stuff. Um, but yeah, she had a lot of trauma in her background, yeah. and she'd been in um, engaged sort of with mental health services for many years by the age of seventeen. Um, and she had, but she had felt misunderstood by mental health professionals. Um, and this got much worse when she mm. went to, to adult services because she was diagnosed with a personality disorder. Yeah. Um, and it then meant that, that that then informed the whole way that all professionals would deal with her, um, which basically meant that they would say to her, follow your safety plan, um, call me tomorrow. That kind of, you know, when, and when somebody's in crisis, some, you know, sometimes people do need that very boundaried approach, but actually it wasn't working for her. And, and the more, the more she hit against that boundary and the kind of, it was like, what I often say is, when somebody's in crisis, they need a person to relate to, mm -hmm. not a system to engage with. Wow. Um, but what she was getting was system, just the system, just these strong boundaries. And there was no compassion. There was no personal connection. It was just, you know, the drill, follow your safety plan, um, ring the crisis line if you really can't cope. That, that was really it. Um, and so... I was trying to support her to engage with that system, but I could also see the system really wasn't not working for her. So it was difficult. It was, it was very difficult for her. And she was just in high levels of distress all of the time and, and feeling very hopeless and wanting to end her life and using self-harm and quite extreme self-harm as a way of just coping with her days. Um, and this led to a number of, you know, of times of us calling the police, ambulances, um, sections were happening and different things. Um, and it's, it felt very hopeless and it, it felt as though this is just going to keep rolling until one day she succeeds in her quest to end her life, like... I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, but we just kept on being there for her and talking with her and just trying to encourage her. And also, you know, as as Christians, just praying for her, even though she didn't necessarily know we were praying for her. But mm. 
there was a lot of prayer going on for this young lady and um in the background um and eventually her mental health team felt that our personal connection with her was actually stopping her from um pursuing or from accepting the boundary approach they were trying to take with her and they told us to go away oh dear. <laughs> and stop um Gosh. yeah um and because she did not ex she didn't think she had a personality disorder and i didn't think she had a personality disorder but i had no place to say that yeah. and and that's another thing that i learned from that situation is you have to stay in your lane so i could not i did not have a place to go to the psychiatrist of that team or the the you know the mental health nurse of that team and say i think your diagnosis is wrong because like you can't do that i kind of tried to do that and that's right. partly why they told us to get lost okay and that was a big learning point for me <laughs> so actually yeah you can't do that that's not your place um so what, but what I can what I can do is say what I'm observing, because um, nobody can argue with what I'm what I've observed of her behaviour. So and her situation, I can, but I don't get to say what I think it means and what yeah. I think the diagnosis should be. So, um, yes. So long story short, she then we 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 had to end, and then we weren't in touch with her for about a year or more still praying for her um and then she got in touch and it turned out that the geographical boundaries of where her care was delivered from got changed and so she got reallocated to a different community mental health team they had looked at her all her case history and gone gosh clearly something is not working here so they decided to just wipe the slate clean and reassess her um they reassessed her and decided that she didn't have a personality disorder. Wow. Um, that actually was, mm. um, it was, it was um, autism and trauma. Um, so then that totally changed the way that they treated her, the way that they medicated her, the boundaries that they had for her, and she was able to start to recover. Wow. Um, and... So she got back in touch with us and she was like, you were right. We were right. This is, this is what's happened. Um, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for fighting for me because you guys, you were the only ones that saw me as an actual human, wow. that treated me mm. as a person, that believed in me, that kept on championing me, that, that saw me for who I really was when all these other professionals just kept on telling me that my personality was broken. Um, you were the ones that believed in me and gave me the strength to keep going. Um, and I was just like, gosh, like, it's, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm just so, so glad that you're still here and that now you're getting the right care. Mm. Um, wow. And, yeah. And so, it's, it's so simple. It's not as if you're provide like you say, you're not the experts, um, you know, psychologically or whatever it may be. <clears throat> you're there just to hold someone's hand, to play Uno, to have a cup of tea 
on yeah. a regular basis. And I think it's about stickability as well, that you'll always be there, yeah. even when everyone else moves on. I think professional services do suffer uh, from such an overhaul of constant yeah. staff change that staff many change. young people don't really know where they stand. Um, but that's always a bit of a concern, I think. And to see that overcome just because you're there, you're just sticking with it. That's incredible. Wow. So, I mean... I think it's that... Sorry, I was just, I no, think it is that it's that relationship. Yes. But that when it comes to talking about outcomes, it's really hard to nail at how what what is the out like what's the outcome of that relationship? And I think that is the real value of case studies that take yes. that long that long view. Because if we'd have just looked at her story after six months, we wouldn't have seen the impact. But when you can look at it uh, like three years later, you're like, yeah. And she can then tell us the impact, but also you can see it in her life. So, I think yeah. outcomes are so, so critical, but they're all misunderstood because we as humans like to measure what we do. Measure activity. I've got 15 people I'm seeing every week, blah, blah, blah. Um, we can tick off various boxes and it's nice and compact. Whereas outcomes are a fudgy thing sometimes. Um, and I think politicians struggle with this all the time because they 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 constantly say, right, this is our, our policy. And everyone goes, well, hey, how wonderful. And then there's a family who suffer because of it. And that's the outcome that they don't necessarily see. Um, it's fascinating. So looking at the big picture, have you noticed a pattern um, of change that's taken place in in the way, in the places you've worked, in the way you work? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that because we, we're sort of, we're always seeing new young people, you mm -hmm. know, it's like a lot of the young people we see, we only see them once. Okay. And then a number of them we see, you know, we, we do our three months with them and sometimes it turns, might turn into you know um but you know with it's still relatively short term we're always we're always dealing with new people so mm. in that sense we don't see a change in our cohort apart from the the individual experiences obviously that we've already just talked about mm -hmm. i think i think what we have seen though in a, in the wider context is a shift in perception of um, the value of relational support right. in the clinical environment. Right, right. So <laughs> when we first started in 2016, there was very, very few examples of youth workers going into emergency departments. There was, there was red thread, and I think Oasis might have been doing a little bit, but it was about violent crime. Um, okay, yeah. So, and it was really in the big inner city hospitals. Going and doing something specifically with people with mental health issues and doing it in the, you know, the, the, the smaller general hospitals, I, I looked, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't, I'm not, we might not have been the first, but I looked and I couldn't find any examples of anybody else doing what we were doing. And because of that, also there was there was some resistance, especially from the um, clinical mental health professionals, that said, 
you guys are not clinical you're not you're not clinically trained you're getting volunteers sorry to come and deal with these really complex young people that does not sound safe or appropriate um and you know then i so then i would get to go well <laughs> um we're not trying to perform a clinical role obviously it would not be appropriate for us to perform a clinical role um, what we're doing is youth work and I am a qualified youth and community worker, so I am more than capable of doing that. I'm obviously saying it in a nice way. Um, and, you know, and the volunteers that we train, you know, we go through safer recruitment, we do DBS, we have supervision, we blah, 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 you know, you really need to make sure that people understand that this is well thought through and that it's safe. Because mm. um, it's a big responsibility. Um, so... We had to do a lot of work on that at the beginning um, and really advocate for, yes, it helps people to have that relational support in a clinical process. This might be something that you're not familiar with, mm. but actually this is really valuable. And we've got these testimonies of people that, that can, well, these people that can attest to this as well. Um, now um so well we had so we had this time where where it was some people were almost opposed to it um after a, a little while the the mental health trust that we that that deals with our area actually adopted a new framework for um for their their work with young people in crisis called i thrive mm. and the i thrive framework which um, actually advocates for the role of many, many different people, professional and unprofessional, like not unprofessional, but, you know, like non-professional yeah. people being involved in the care of young people and being a network and doing it together to support that young person, including the role of youth workers as, as being quite key and, and really um, highlighting the role of having trusting relationships mm -hmm. for people when, when they're in crisis. So... There's been a whole shift in the landscape where it's gone from people going, who are you and should you even be here, to them going, excellent, we've got youth workers in our departments. This is really forward thinking. Aren't we great? Wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look at us. Isn't it interesting? Because it's a, it's a change of, it, it, it is without a doubt, a, an outcome, a key outcome because you're changing attitudes of clinical staff um, towards volunteers just doing something as simple as, as listening to someone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that is really, really key. And, and the fact that you've been um, commissioned from a local government level in Kent is quite mm. significant as well. How yeah. did that come about? Um, How did it come about? Mm. Came, it came about, it was early days actually, so um, that project first started in 2020, so sort of 2019, um, it was through networks, so um, I was um, in touch with Youthscape and mm -hmm. um, just sort of on a person-to-person -person level knew some people at Youthscape and we'd access some of their training and that type of thing, I told them about what we were doing. Um, Kent County Council 
um, self-harm was high on their agenda as a public health issue because they'd done a survey and it had come up as being a big issue, so then they needed to do something about it. They discovered Youthscape's self-harm stuff called Illumina, and so they had kind of bought into that um, as a kind of community-based training to help teachers and different people understand more about self-harm and how they could help young people that were struggling. But part of what Kent County Council realised was that they needed to put in place support for young people when they, in that crisis moment in the emergency department, they had talked to the Youthscape guys about all of the different priorities that they had to do with self-harm. And the Youthscape guys said, oh, well, we know a charity that's doing that in Guildford. Sorry, you should talk to them. Um, so that's how, since then I had, a, I had an email from a senior commissioner in Medway saying, please, can we talk to you about this? And there's potential for this to be set up in Medway. I'd never even heard of Medway and didn't know where it was. Um, but then I, once I kind of like thought about it, I, I got on Google Maps and realised that Medway Hospital was only 20 minutes away from a church, from Eastgate Church in Eastgate. Kent, where mm-hmm. we had lots of connections, knew lots of people. And so, like I said in the beginning, you know, if we if we realise that we've got local connections, then we we're like, actually, yes, we could we could do something. So then I was able to go back to the commissioner and say, yes, let's look at this. Brilliant. And Yeah, and then from that one project in Medway, then we did two more in Kent, and now we're doing four more. So Fantastic. Yeah. And it does help to know the church in that area that advocates mm. your work. So what do you think the future holds? Um, good question. <laughs> so all of our growth so far has been through us as a charity um, taking on projects where we employ people to work for Emerge as, you know, we get a project lead and we get a youth support worker or two in a location and then they go to the, they, they work with the hospital and they work with local churches and they deliver the, the you know, they, they get volunteers from the churches and then together they deliver the, the support to young people. If we want to see young people supported right across our country, which is what we'd love to see. Wow. It would be very slow for us to do it like that because we'd have to become a massive charity and we'd have to have loads of funding and we're kind of like not really that interested in becoming a massive charity we're just really interested in making sure young people get support and that they get support you know from christians that will pray for them because we know that that makes such a massive difference so what we'd really love to see in terms of what the future holds is to to mobilize Christians and people in churches to go you know what have you got four or five people in your church or in your local you know in your town even it doesn't even have to be just one church in fact it's better if it's not just one church Mm. but you know if you've got four or five people that have a real heart for this that would like to offer this support to young people in your local hospital because we can help you do that um we've now got the credibility we've got the training we've got the experience um, you know, we've got an app for recording all of our data that you oh, can wow. have. <laughs> an app, <laughs> right. to, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can help you get set up and go into your local hospital two nights a week. Just start with two, you know, four or five people between you. You can easily cover that. Um, we can train you. We can support you. We can help open doors with the hospitals. 
go and support young people for two evenings a week in your hospital, in your local hospital. If you like it and it goes well and you get more people on your team, then you can do three nights and then four nights. And then maybe you can apply for some funding and you can have a small part-time role. And maybe then you could start doing follow-up with young people when they come out of hospital. And then maybe you might, you know, and, and then you'll have more evidence and outputs and outcomes yeah, yeah. to demonstrate. And then maybe you can get some more funding and then maybe you can grow it some more. Mm. So that, but it all it all it needs is, you know, four or five people in a, town somewhere that go yeah we've got heart for young people in our local hospital we want to try and do something you know because this organization it just started with me just one person going i've got a heart for young people in my local hospital and i want to do something small small things grow so quickly fantastic it's been amazing talking to you joy um yeah it's gonna be it's going to be. It's always good watching um, these projects grow. I, I, being because of my work in cinema, I get to see. I've had ten years of it, just watching some amazing projects grow. And yours is groundbreaking, because as you said, breaks new ground. People weren't visiting young people in hospitals, and now they are. And long may it continue. Long may it grow. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the whole stuff about measuring your outcomes and the growth from where you began to where you are now and uh, the future, it's, it's quite immense. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for spending your time listening to this. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And feel free to follow me, David Simmons of Absolute Communication and Cinema Network on LinkedIn. Thank you.